As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to the latest edition of Head of the Pack. Bill and I are both here. In the Soldier Field press box. Well, I'm in the press box. Bill's in some suites, so we're not talking over each other in the same area. Uh, Packers 24, Bears 14. And Bill, we were talking about this. You know, it was kind of an ugly game. No clear storylines to write about, at least in terms of like a dominant storyline to focus on in your story. And then Aaron Rodgers' celebration after his rushing touchdown happened. Um <laughs> I mean, that came out of nowhere. And I asked him after the game, you know, what prompted that? And he said he just blacked out. Um, He saw a lady in the first row giving him the double bird. The adrenaline took over. He said, I've owned you all my fucking life. I own you. I still own you. I still own you. Aaron Rodgers is 22 and five. I know quarterback wins aren't a stat, and I agree with that. Packers are 22. Yes, they are. Damn it, Matt. They're they're a stat because you know what? No offense to Jordan Love. If Jordan Love plays the Bears, he's 27 times. They're not 22 and 5. I understand that. All right, fair enough. Packers are 22 and 5 against the Bears when Aaron Rodgers starts. They've won 11 of their last 12 in Chicago with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. He's not wrong with anything he said, is he? (laughs) No, it was awesome, though. I mean, seriously, he saved our our bacon story-wise. I've covered him his entire starting career. I've never seen that. Now, obviously, there's a lot more microphones on the field than there ever used to be. And so maybe he did this in 2011, you know, and, you know, there just wasn't the preponderance of Mike's picking up all this stuff. But I've never seen anything like it. Um, For the two people out there who still are wondering if he's fully committed to winning this, fully committed to winning this season, um, there's that for you, too. But it was. It was remarkable. I will always remember today. I will. I will not remember his two touchdown passes. I will always remember the touchdown run. An amazing, emotional ending. Yeah, it was. And Rogers said it. You know, this game kind of mirrored Packers Bears games of the past. You know, the Bears take the lead early. It's kind of an ugly game. The Packers stay in it, get a couple key stops from the defense, and the offense does just enough. And that's how this one went. Uh, the Packers punted on each of their first two possessions. On, on the second possession, on second down, Robert Quinn mocked Aaron Rodgers' belt celebration. Um, I asked him after the game if he 
you know, if that does anything for him. He, he said he actually didn't see it. He really likes Robert Quinn, so it wouldn't have bothered him anyway. Um, but I wrote in my story, if you do that, the football gods will frown upon you if you mock Aaron Rodgers, discount, double check. And sure enough, Packers scored on their next drive and the Bears never let again. So um, I thought the Packers' defense, obviously the Bears' offense isn't good at all. Um, Justin Fields is pretty shaky. The Bears are down their top three running backs. But, you know, we'll touch on the defense first. The defense without its top two edge rushers, its top two cornerbacks, and, you know, one of its starting safeties. They, they lost Preston Smith to a oblique injury and Darnell Savage to a concussion today. I thought the defense held firm and, and did what it needed to do. Sure, it'll be a different story against the Cardinals and Chiefs here in a couple weeks, but I thought they played fine today. Yeah, um, you, you had to force the ball in those Justin Fields' hands. I get it. The running backs aren't healthy. You know, that's that's the way it goes. And I, you know, the Packers had one-third of their starters out today. But they did what they needed to do. They, had needed, they put the ball in the Fields' hands, and Justin Fields cannot beat them. Even with uh, Rasul Douglas playing most of the game at cornerback, he couldn't beat them. Even with almost no pass rush for most of the game, he couldn't beat them. Even with Allen Robinson streaking wide open down the middle of the field. <laughs> He couldn't beat him. So Justin Fields, uh, at this point, is a bad quarterback. I'm not saying he's going to forever be a bad quarterback, but like a lot of these rookies this year, it is, it is a tough slog for him. Yeah, you know, I'll take a line from Wes Hodkowitz, the, the great Packers.com writer. He pointed it out, and, and I would have to agree. I think Jonathan Garvin's been playing well. I haven't seen anything from Rashawn Gary um, of late, but – I think Jonathan Garvin's playing well. You know, we talked about here in the press box, Isaac Yadam had an absolutely disastrous first. And I'm just talking about the spots where the Packers are, are losing, you know, all pros and pro bowlers. Um, Isaac Yadam had uh, the defensive pass interference penalty. Or no, he got beat by Allen Robinson for about 20 yards, I think it was, on the first drive. Got cooked off the line and then had a blatant defensive pass interference that set the Bears up on the one-yard line for a touchdown. So they pulled him after the first drive, which I was surprised about, and put in Rasul Douglas, who's been here for, you know, shorter than you can say Rasul Douglas. And, you know, him and Eric Stokes and Jonathan Garvin and uh, and Rashawn Gary kind of held down the fort. Kenny Clark had a, had a really good game, two sacks on that final drive that, that cost the, the Bears 23 yards just to – a piece it together performance, not the best by any means. They'll need to be better against better offenses. Like I said, but all you can ask for is that the defense helps keep them afloat in games like this. Yeah. I'm interested to see Douglas. Um, you know, or there's, we don't have time in the press box to go focus on a guy too much. So I need to go back and watch him tomorrow. Um, it was night and day though. I mean, the bears marched right down the field with Isaac Yadam in there and Douglas came in there and they, um, held him other than other than that one series. I need, I need to go see. I, I I call him my MVP of the game <laughs> today. So I, I you know I'm, I mean, he was a guy I kind of liked in the draft. He's he's tall. He started a bunch of games. There's there's something there. Um, if King's out for a while, you've got him. Quentin Dunbar's played some football, so they're they're not a, at least they've got some experienced guys um, to at least try to survive without Alexander and King here for the next. You know, who knows how long. Yeah, it, it's going to be brutal. And, 
we talk about all the injuries the Packers have. They're just stacking up and stacking up. And Josh Myers, their starting center, had a knee injury today and left early and didn't come back. Matt LaFleur said he doesn't believe it's season ending. But you think about all the guys the Packers are without right now, Josh Myers, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins wasn't great in his first first game in a month. Um, you know, Alexander, King, people trash Kevin King, but he's a starting cornerback. And then Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You know, the Packers could get David Bakhtiari back at practice this week, but it probably won't be another couple weeks till he plays. Valdez-Scantling is eligible to, to return to practice after missing three games, so they could get some guys back here. But, you know, it's the secondary, I think, where they need help because if they face Tyreek Hill and Kyler Murray and Patrick Mahomes and DeAndre Hopkins here in two of the next three weeks, it could get ugly. Yeah, to use a Devontae Adams where they're going to get murdered, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 is, it is what it is. You can, I mean, in LaFleur, used the phrase next man up again today after the game, but I mean, the next man up is the next man up for a reason. I mean, starters are starters. And it's not, you know, Jair Alexander isn't a starter. I mean, he's an all-pro. I mean, good heavens. Good luck getting past that. It's like they're playing with house money. Here's Rodgers from today. Um, I'm just really proud of the guys. These are character wins. These are wins that are really, really important. We've got to get healthy. We've got a lot of guys banged up, a lot of guys we could use moving forward. But I really like where we're at, two up in the division after six and playing winning football. He's not wrong. Yeah, you've you got to win this. Look ahead to Washington. You, you've got to win this one, don't you? Yeah. Because, like you said, with the, with the games that are coming up, you, you can't give away a home game against a Washington team that won, won a crappy NFC East last year and – they went up with a really good defense last year. Their defense stinks, to use your favorite word, this year. So, yeah, they, they've got to win this one. Terrible. Stinks. Stinks. And you know what's impressed me? The last, three, the, the last four games against pretty good you know, defensive lines, 49ers, Steelers, Bengals, and Bears, 100 rushing yards, 131, 133, 154 for the Packers. And it hasn't just been one guy all the time. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are playing really well off each other. They're both factoring in the passing game and the running game. Aaron Jones said the little shimmy in the open field, the, the plant one foot and cut back that Dillon did today, he hasn't seen before. So these two guys are growing every week, as cliche as that sounds. And, you know, Aaron Jones had a really nice day today. 76 rushing yards and 43 receiving yards doesn't bounce out, but – the way he made some guys miss, mostly on that touchdown run, the way Dylan made guys miss in the open field, like obviously they have Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, they're pass catchers, but I think this is a run first team because that's how you neutralize the pass rushes of, of these teams. You don't just allow them to pin their pin their ears back. You establish the running game and then the Packers were the best play action team in the league last year and you know, establishing the run is obviously the, the first step to setting up that play action game. Yeah, I would, without knowing for sure, I, I would say today maybe it might have been their best running game of the year. I don't remember a whole bunch of zeros. Like 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 last week, the, at the end of the game, the, the numbers looked pretty, but there were a lot of zeros and negative ones, and I don't think there's a lot of that today. And the O-line gave up three sacks, which is probably more than you want, but you know those three sacks are like really bad sacks, but otherwise I thought Rodgers had time. Yeah, and it's like when they were bad, they were awful. But for the most part, I, I would think I would give Green Bay the win there. And I think, if I remember correctly, only two of them were guys actually getting beat. 
One of them was Royce Newman just looking to his left to block someone, and then Akeem mm-hmm. Hicks came to his right. So there was more of a miscommunication, misassignment, than just getting powered over. And one of the guys who did get turned the corner on was Elton Jenkins, and that's not going to happen to him a lot. So, you know, Royce Newman has been shaky. But he, here, Bill, I want to ask you this while we're on the O-line. When David Bakhtiari comes back, what's your starting five? Bakhtiari, left guard Jenkins. I'm, putting, I'm just going to put Jenkins back to where he was. You hope, she, well, Lucas Patrick itself. That's a good question, Matt. I'm assuming Myers is coming back, but I mean, who knows, well, right? Let, let's say. Is, is, he, is he out for three games? Is he out for eight? I mean, I don't know. Let's say exclude Myers because, you know, I'm just reading between the lines here. LaFleur said he's not out for the season. Let's say he goes on IR and misses six weeks with a, with a yeah. bad knee sprain. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But take Myers out of that. I would go Bakhtiari left, tackle. I would say Jenkins left guard, Patrick center. I would move John Runyon Jr. to right guard. He's been really impressive at left guard. Then I'd keep Billy Turner at right tackle. Or what I might do is put Elton Jenkins at right tackle, David Bakhtiari at left tackle, keep John Runyon Jr. at left guard, slide Billy Turner into right guard, and then put Patrick at center. He had a problem with that, um, or the potential problem, I should say, is you're, is you're going all, it's, it's the left to right stuff. Do you, do you want to move? Run? I don't think Runyon even took any right guard snaps in camp. If he did, it was just really, really, really limited. Um, as Billy Turner likes to tell us, it was the old Josh Sitton phrase, um, changing sides of the line is, right, is like wiping your ass with the other hand. Um, it's, easy, it's, it's far easier to go from guard to tackle, tackle to guard, than it is going left to right. So that's why I would be tempted to put Bakhtiari at left tackle, just slide Jenkins to where he was a pro bowler. And, you know, you use a fourth-round pick on Newman for a reason. You just, you're going to count on him to continue growing. It seems like he always gets these bad starts to games and he plays better. Um, but I guess you go with the, the draft investment there and hope that he improves. I, I would not do the left to right stuff. But that's but LaFleur says the best five, Matt, so that's what you said kind of comes into play there. Yeah, I certainly think John Runyon Jr. is part of the better five than Royce yes. Newman right now. Mm-hmm. But do they want to keep that, you know, that cliche per se intact? Um and, you know, not have to switch guys around position-wise. We'll see. Um, switching back to the offense, I think what's interesting about this team is, you know, last year we saw Rodgers throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns, and he's not going to win MVP this year. He's not going to have to post gaudy numbers, but we know that he can if need be. And the fact that he's not doing that really hasn't yet this season. Um, and they're still winning games with all these injuries. He said it today. He said, you know, we're 5-1, and one, and that's great. But we got to get healthy here soon with the stretch we have coming up. And, and I think that's an appropriate way to look at it. You can obviously not take for granted what they're doing on offense. It's not great, but it's enough. But also realizing at the same time that – you got to pick it up soon because you, you might get into some track meets here in the next couple of weeks. Yep, and that's where the hope is. You get Bakhtiari back and you get your line back to 
to where it was playing last year to that standard, maybe or at least close to it, because Myers isn't Josh or isn't Corey Lindsley. But if you get close to the same performance on the O line, and then you don't have to go use Robert Tunyon to go chip players. You can go run your five guys out into a route. Um, and maybe you get more explosive that way. So I, I think it all has to start with getting Bakhtiari back to back to form. And that's gonna, it's going to take a while. I don't think. I mean, the guy hasn't. It, we're going on almost ten months now of him. Being out, or I think for people who are thinking that he could play this coming week or the week after, I just think that's nuts. No, like we've talked about before, they have can't practice on or can't play on three days practice, so he, he won't play if he returns to practice on Wednesday. It, you can't go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday practice and then play against Washington, and then they have the Thursday game the next week. So, if I had to guess, I would say if he starts practicing this week, he's back week nine at Kansas City. So, we'll see. Um, that's a big if they've been really, really tight lipped, haven't they, Matt? They've given us no inkling whatsoever yeah. of any plan with Bakhtiari when he maybe will come you back. Know, it's just silence. It's interesting you say that because I was listening back to what Rogers said today, and he kind of let it slip, it seemed a little bit. I'm looking for the exact quote here. Yeah, I was in the Zooms. I was participating in Jenkins. I didn't, I didn't hear what he said here. So Yeah, Rogers said something. I can't find it, and I don't want to leave you guys with too much dead air, but Rogers said something along the lines of, when he was talking about the offensive line. Um, we'll get Dave back at practice here this week, hopefully. So I'm wondering, maybe I'm reading a little too much into this, but I'm wondering if Rogers already knows that Bakhtiari is going to come back to practice, but he didn't want to give it away, and he realized mid-answer that he should have added the qualifier, hopefully, in there. But I don't. If anybody would know, I, right? I, I, mean, I don't think there's they're such close friends. Yeah, if anybody would know, I would think Rogers. I don't would. think Rogers says that if he doesn't think Bakhtiari is coming back to practice this week. Good point. What else did Rogers say today, Matt? That you found interesting? Um, about say next about about a potential return trip to Chicago sometime. What, what did he say there? You know, I thought it was interesting because he he was asked, you know, if he thought while he was doing his whole extravagant celebration, if he thought about you know this could be the last time he's able to interact quote unquote with the Bears fans at Soldier Field like this. And he said he didn't think about it in the moment. He did think about it before the game. But then he finished his answer saying you know, saying it might not be his last time doing it. And he's enjoyed all the years being able to. And I said this to you, and maybe this is another instance of me um, me reading too much into it, but Rodgers hasn't given us many you know, breadcrumbs along the trail of, of hinting what he'll do next year. This was the biggest one yet. And you guys can tell me, leave, leave comments, tweet at us saying if we're reading too much into this. But you, know, you said this, Bill. He knows what teams he could get traded to. He doesn't know their schedules right off the top of his head. He doesn't know the Broncos schedule or the Raiders schedule or whoever off the top of his head, but he knows that the Packers come here every year. And for him to say, you know, this might not be his last time doing what he did, interacting with the Bears fans. We've talked about it before, Bill. Aaron Rodgers says everything for a reason. He doesn't just say that. He knows what he's saying. And I think that might mean he knows at least now in week six that he's coming back. Yeah, I don't know how else to read into that, Matt. Um, I don't think there look, is there's another one, one. There is one team that's obvious that will trade for Rodgers. That would be Denver. They stink. But sure. But aside from that, Denver's like Denver's Denver's pretty decent. If you give them a quarterback, but that's let's see. I guess that's neither here nor there. 
he heard all the talk this offseason about Denver and San Francisco. He heard all that. And obviously San Francisco's eliminated because they drafted a quarterback. The, the guy knows that Denver is the, is the team that's out there. Do you think maybe he's checked Denver's schedule? Wouldn't surprise me. But Denver doesn't play the NFC North next year. Exactly. And that's the clue that he's leaning toward coming back. I, I, I think as, as much as people crapped on us for, trying, for supposedly making too much out of Rodgers' comments after the Tampa Bay game last year, of course, we were right about it. Um, he knows darn well what he's saying there, I think. Yeah, he does. Nothing is said. Obviously, it takes, it takes two to tango here for him to come back. But I think um, that's, that's a pretty telling comment. Yeah, I agree. And one other thing I wanted to mention, kind of going back to the middle of the game, I said this to you a little while ago in the press box, but Aaron Rodgers' press conferences are fun because he drops little little tidbits that allow us to better understand what goes on during the week. Um, and today he said that first touchdown pass to Alan Lazard, where Lazard lined up right behind Billy Turner and a little bit to the right. And then Rodgers took the shotgun snap, fake the handoff to Aaron Jones, who was motioning left, and writers Robert Quinn was about to deck him, flips the little shovel pass to Lazard, who gets in for the touchdown on third and goal from the one. You know, Rodgers said that Adam Stenovich created that play in practice this week, which I thought was interesting. And he also said after the play, he went over to Tipa Nalei on the sideline, a, a practice squad edge rusher, and kind of joked with him about in practice this week, Tipa, who's the scout team edge rusher, gave Rodgers the exact same look that Robert Quinn gave him, kind of just not falling for any of the fakes, just going straight for him. So Rodgers had seen that look from an edge rusher before, knew what to do, flip it to Lazard. So Rodgers, you know, the, the all-world quarterback, goes and enjoys a laugh with the practice squad edge rusher because of how he helped him prepare for it in practice. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. Um, going back to um, Stenovich inventing that play, wouldn't you love to sit in on those meetings? Oh, he'll be awesome. I don't. It would. Be, it would be awesome. And I again, I have no idea. This is me being ignorant here. I don't know if it's like this every with that with every team, where you've got. It's not. It's not just the head coach's offense. It, it really is a conglomeration where the offensive line coach can come up with a passing play. Um, I don't. You know, maybe, maybe it is that way everywhere. I don't know, but it'd be it'd be fascinating to to get some to be a fly on the wall in those meetings just to hear all these offensive minds throwing stuff at the wall and then you invite Rodgers into it and see what he thinks oh, of it. Oh, I mean... It's all pretty interesting. Roger, That'd be amazing. Rodgers said it. It's it's Stenovich and tight ends coach Justin Outen and Nathaniel Hackett and Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers game planning. That would be awesome. Yep. But we'll never get in there. Oh, well. <laughs> Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search the Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Let's get to some questions from, from Quinn. 
seems like every game we start the first quarter and almost exclusively shotgun and then the offense sputters. Then in the second, we return to something resembling last year's offense with more under center and motion. When will the team just start the game with last year's offense? You know, it's funny you say that because last week against the Bengals, they started with a lot of motion and started slow. You know, there was a lot of pre-snap stuff across Rogers' face last week, and they didn't start well against the Bengals either. I don't think there's too much of a um, of a direct cause and effect or a direct correlation there. I just think they're not good at starting fast. You know, they fell behind the Saints, never came back. They fell behind the Lions. You know, they, they got out to a, a, a lead against the 49ers, but they fell behind the Steelers. They fell behind the Bengals. They fell behind the Bears. Maybe they're just better at playing from behind and they do it on purpose. And Mason Crosby calls tails every time, purposely loses. I, I mean, I know that means they get the ball first, but, you know, this offense was so good to start games last year. I forget what the stat was about how many times they scored on their opening drive, but it's just terrible to start games this year. It hasn't mattered yet, but like I said, in these track meet games against the, the Chiefs and the Rams and the Cardinals and Seahawks coming up, um, they might need to score on their opening possession if they get the chance. Yeah, you're right. They were number one in points last year. I think number one in points and touchdowns in that first drive. Um, I guess I haven't noticed a shotgun thing. I'll have to go take a look at that. That is an interesting thing. You know, I, I know Rodgers lobbied to get the ball first. Oh, gosh. Was it the San Fran game? They won the ball first? or uh, It was one of those early season games he wanted to get the ball first because, um, you know, the defense is struggling. He wanted to get off to a fast start. So you're right, though, Matt. With, with Arizona and Kansas City coming up, they got to get that fixed because you, you can't fall. You can't get the ball first and punt and then fall behind 7 and nothing, knowing the other team's going to get the ball to start the second half. That's just that's a ticket to losing right there. All right, next, from Doric Packers fan. If Kenny Clark gets injured, does the sewage system in Wisconsin have the capacity to handle the induced vomit? But seriously, just how badly screwed <laughs> is the T if Kenny gets hurt? Oh, absolutely effed. Um, Matt LaFleur said today he almost threw up when Kenny went down briefly. He's the one real playmaker, proven playmaker they have left on the defense. And he's the guy who kind of holds it all together up front. I thought Dean Lowry's been playing well the last couple of weeks, but mm-hmm. Kenny's kind of the engine that makes that go up front. And they need him to stay healthy until at least some of these guys come back. And then stay healthy after that. But you know, you got what I'm saying. Yeah, I think Lowry's been really good. But but Clark is right back to where he was in 2019. Um, you know, we, we spent a lot of the podcast talking about injuries. Well, Clark had that groin injury right off the bat last year and never really got going until, what, December. Um, Kenny Clark is healthy, and he is, he is a force. He's been a force against the run all season, and it was good – um, for his for his sake to get some sacks, we said those have not been coming. So he's, you know, we were talking about the press box, Matt. Who are the difference makers on this defense with without Jair and Zedarius? I mean, they don't have any other than Kenny Clark, probably. None. Certainly not Jalen Smith. <laughs> Just because he missed a tackle. I know I was a little harsh on that, but y- y- your point stands. No, I- I'm kidding. I don't think they have anyone. That was a bad mistake. Cecilia J. Bugface, loyal listener. How impressive have position coaches been? Guys like Gray, Steno, Smith, coaching up depth and reserves into contributors. I think they've been good. I mean, Jerry Gray, a lot of guys speak highly of him. He clearly hasn't done enough for Isaac Yadam because Isaac Yadam isn't very good. But to get Rasul Douglas in shape to play most of the defensive snaps today when he's been here for the snap of a finger – that's great. Adam Stenovich obviously is a tremendous position coach. Uh, you know, 
Aaron Rodgers said, or I forget who said it, Rodgers or LaFleur, kind of agreeing with the premise that, you know, potentially a coordinator job is in Steno's near future. Mike Smith getting guys like Jonathan Garvin ready to play when both Smiths go down. Um, you know, Kirk Olivadotti getting guys like Devondre Campbell up to speed after signing this offseason in, in June and Jalen Smith ready to play snaps today. Those are guys that, and obviously we don't see behind the scenes, so we just have to take the players and the coaches' word for it, but it does seem like the assistant coaches on this team get a lot of love. I don't know if any of them are actually good coaches, but it seems like they are. Yeah, it's hard to look past what Stenovich has done. Yes, with, specifically him. With, yeah, with the, with, the, with the left tackle, the left guard, you know, the center's hurt, you know, the right guard's a rookie, the center's a rookie. I mean, my goodness, that's, you know, I, I feel like any of us, could have coached to some extent having a line of Bakhtiari, Jenkins, and Corey Lindsay last year, but he does, he does not have that. He is doing a, he's got to be one hell of a coach. Related question to this, Matt, from Christopher Karlecki. Who's your favorite offensive and defensive coach to interview? Um, offensive? That's a good question. Offensive, I would say Nathaniel Hackett. Mm-hmm. Defensive... I would say Mike Smith. Who is it for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I was trying to think about offense. If there's anybody, Jason Vrabel. Hack is just so. Jason Vrabel. So funny. Vrabel. Vrabel gives you stuff. Yeah. Vrabel will go into detail about guys, which is really. I mean, how many times can you ask Vrabel about Devonte Adams and he can come up with a different answer? Exactly. So God, God bless him for that. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and Mike Smith is he's one entertaining. Sob, holy man! He just goes on rants. He like he like forgets that he's talking to us. He just starts like talking to himself, and then awakens from it, and is like, "Oh, sorry, guys, I didn't mean to go go on a rant like that." Yeah, I mean, who's who willingly talks about falling off their treehouse? Nobody, right? Nobody. I mean, is, no, no one's going to talk about that. Mike Smith, he's 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 all about he it. He really is. God bless him. Uh, from Kevin Stalsberg, the red zone defense is still a huge problem. Is it more lack of starters due to injuries, or are we just five games into a new scheme and need to give it time? I definitely think injuries has something to do with it. Um, you know, like I said, you can't get pressure because the Smiths are out. Pre- I mean, well, your best edge rusher, Zadari Smith, has been out. Preston Smith out today. You know, if he's out for any extended period of time, I wouldn't expect that to change up front. And then your two best cornerbacks are out, or two starters, I should say. If you can't get pressure, you need a good secondary. If you have a bad secondary, you need to get good pressure. If you can't get both, you're a red zone defense that has allowed 15 touchdowns and 15 opponent trips to the red zone. That's what the Green Bay Packers are right now. I mean, the past three weeks, they've allowed... What they allowed to the Steelers? 17, then 22 to the Bengals, then 14 to the Bears. So they're doing well overall, just not in the red zone. <laughs> you know, I, last podcast, somebody asked, I think they asked for the over-under on, on red zone possessions before a stop. And I, and I said they would get one right off the bat today. Well, I was wrong because the Bears' first red zone possession was first and goal to one. So <laughs> they did not get a stop. But honestly, if they don't get one against Washington, holy shit, Matt, when are they going to get one? Never, probably. How are they going to stop Arizona or Kansas City <laughs> in the red zone? I mean, seriously, what are they? Oh, is it 15 now? It is 15, yes. I mean, it, 
they could be tw- 0 for 25 if they can't get one against Washington. Say, say Washington goes 2 for 2 next week. That's 17. I mean, it's easy to see Arizona and Kansas City getting, you know, four trips down there. They could be 0 for 25. Then what if, then what if Russell Wilson's back <laughs> the week Ooh, after me. that? He's <laughs> it's going to. I, I, don't, I don't know what the record is, but I might, I might have to go dig into that. That's, uh, whew. But I don't know. I, it, yeah, I'm sure injuries play a part of it. But at some point, your plan must suck. Because at some point, don't, doesn't someone just... You know, like Even today, the, the Bears' second red zone possession, I believe it was, a, it was the 16-yard touchdown run by, um, by the running Herbert. back. It's offensive holding. Yeah, so it's, it's holding. So another back down to the 26-yard line. And they still give up a red zone touchdown. First and 20 from the 26. They couldn't get a red zone stop. It's not good, Bill. That's it's problems. not good. I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know how you fix it. Because Joe Barry's in charge, but his plan ain't working. Last question from Brian White. Why are the special teams still struggling six games in? Coaching or strategy? It's tough because when we ask about certain things on special teams that we see, they sometimes get refuted because Mo Drayton just takes all the responsibility for himself or says it'll get fixed. I thought overall they were better today. Um, Amari Rogers returned a punt for 16 yards, which is like put him in the Packers Hall of Fame after that. The coverage mm-hmm. units are still a little iffy. I understand there was a holding penalty on Shamar John Charles, but the way he just stood and watched, I forget who was the punt returner as he caught the punt. And then he was literally an inch away from him and just watched him go around the edge. It's like, what are we doing here? <laughs> What's up? I've never, you know, I've never seen Aaron Rodgers react like that, like the touchdown. And I've never, ever, 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 ever seen that on a punt. You, ha- you were like, he could have like blew in his ear <laughs> to distract him or, hey, hey, check out my bad breath. <laughs> but no, he did nothing. Oh, brutal. Um, you know, I get, maybe the injuries are a factor here because you've got guys who should be stalwarts on special teams Rand, now becoming I mean, key you, players on, on you offense, can even defense, go back so maybe to that's part of it. Randy but. Ramsey and Will Redmond. Yeah, good point. But, yeah, you, you make a good point. Guys like Rasul Douglas and, and Yadam and Garvin are supposed to be strictly special teamers, and now they're having to focus on... And, you know, Malik Taylor was out with COVID, uh, in the COVID protocol this week. So th- they not only have special teamers playing defense and that, you know, hurts their special teams, even if they play both, but they have some key special teamers injured. And Ty Summers isn't going to do it. So. What well, well, we saw all the problems is having uh, the punter, Corey Bajorquez, um just hit 82-yard punts every time over the returner's head. We're not supposed to root for the Packers, but I, I like to – and <laughs> I'm know. not saying I was, but – I wanted to see an 82-yard punt get down, get down at the one-yard punt. One. That would have been cool. I did, too. I was so sure. Because, I don't, you know, like even Rodgers pointed out, the grass at Soldier Field's always long. I'm thinking, come on, stop that sucker. I mean, that would have been, been a fun story this week, right, about the 82-yard punt down at the yeah, one. Yeah, and, and, you know. A, a net of only 62. Oof, so that's, Only 62. That's He's got to get better. Kid. Mason Crosby did. Second longest punt in Packers And Mason Crosby didn't miss any kicks this week. So better than last week for the special teams. Didn't wasn't didn't he have a wasn't the field goal or the extra point? You, I, I didn't watch it. I was too busy writing something. Didn't he hit like a really crappy kick and then just kind of made it in? I I think I forget. 
which kick it was exactly, but it started off what Rob said was it started off toward the right post and then barely snuck inside the left post. I don't know if it was how he kicked it or the wind, but I'll, I'll go back to my special teams film study this week and get back to you guys on that. There you go. So that's today's episode. That's all we've got for you guys. We appreciate you listening. And as always, hope we covered it all. Let us know if there's anything else you guys want us to, you know, touch on. I know I say that and there were some questions we didn't get to, but that's because I still fucking own this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. That's a that's an Aaron Rodgers joke. Um, we'll talk to you guys after next Sunday's game against the Washington football team. You know where to find Bill. You know where to find me. We'll talk to you later. Appreciate it, guys. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.